Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. From Michael Robson's studio in Boulder, Colorado, this is Just Like Butter. Michael, we uh, haven't been at Rubens the last couple of times. It's kind of weird doing this without a beer and a margarita. Yeah, and what food. happened there? I, I definitely missed that, that, uh, the whole setup with getting a nice dinner and having a couple of drinks, but this is good. At least I didn't have to leave my studio for this one. We'll be back there soon. Good. They haven't thrown us out. Yeah, no, that, well, yeah, that would have been probably the uh, one thing standing in the way is if they had thrown us out, we can get to that. We, we can just up our game and and uh, make that a reality. Okay. See if we can get thrown out. I've been thrown out of a lot of places in Boulder. Just not Robson's not, studio. Not Rubens, either. not lately. <laughs> Interbike 2015, you oh. just got back from Vegas. Do we have to talk about this? I'll talk about Interbike. I hate Vegas, I'm sorry. The places, it's good in a way. Like I, I thought about this on the plane ride my home. Um, it's good that Vegas is there because it sequesters all those kinds of people in the one place so they're not dispersed all over the country, su- sullying the rest of the world, sullying the rest of the country. It's good that they're all just there, but that, that place is, to me, is a living hell. I hate it. But uh, the second day there, I, I didn't know this, you can walk. It, you, without leaving the building, without, without, without going outside, you can stay indoors and walk half of the entire strip you can walk from the Mandalay Bay Events Centre through Mandalay Bay, through into Luxor, through into Excalibur, and then I think through into the next one again, like the next hotel again. Never get any sun or never, fresh air? You never well, leave the I building. I don't know how fresh the air is. The, fresh, the air is horrible because everyone smokes inside. It's just, yeah. Anyway, okay, let's talk about Interbike and not Vegas. Okay. What do you want to know? Uh, I want to know, first of all, you got there, you went to the outdoor demo, correct? Yeah, we're Can you kind the... of explain what that is? <laughs> this is the first time I've seen the outdoor demo, um, and it, it's it's kind of an interesting case study in um, you know some of the what not to do's. Um, you know, basically a- anybody can go out there. Almost anybody can go out there. They want you to be a bike shop owner or somewhat in the industry, um, and you can check out a bike and go ride it around on a bunch of. You know, you, you can ride a bike that, that um, you don't know and is not fitted for you and you're not used to on trails that you've never seen before in your life that have um, razor-sharp injury-causing everything lying around. And uh, it ends up being kind of a shit show. But um, I, think it, I think it's got to be fantastic for the manufacturers to go out there and just have, you know, have a whole big thing and have people go out and ride their bikes and, and, and you know, just try it, basically try everything. Just try it, try in, riding any bike you want. Anything you were especially impressed with out there? <sighs> Man, I was so busy at Outdoor Demo, I actually sort of didn't, I, I hardly picked up my head to, to look around. But um, what, what we were doing on Tuesday when I was there is we were doing a whole um, review on the new SRAM ETAP, which is the wireless 
um, wireless electronic uh, shifting group from SRAM. And uh, that's, that stuff could be a game changer, man. It's pretty flippin' interesting. Really? Well, think about it. You, it. When you put a derailleur, you put a front or rear derailleur on your bike, you just bolt it on and you thread the chain through it and then you set it up and that's it. There's no threading cables. Like the whole, the whole concept of, of running cables and doing whole, all that stuff is gone. If you, if you break a derailleur, you could somebody, you know, if you broke a derailleur in a cross race, not that you can ride it for a cross yet, I don't think, because um, it's not hydraulic, you could conceivably change, a, someone could change a derailleur in the pit in a few minutes before you came around again. It would be, I think it would be that easy. It's pretty, it's pretty intoxicating. And, it, and, you know, from what we saw of the SRAM stuff, it worked exceptionally well. It was, you know, it was, it was pretty flawless and pretty beautiful. So that's, uh, you know, elect electronic DI2, Shimano DI2 was a big deal. And then this is, is almost as big a deal again, like taking just as big a step. So almost taking that to a more simplistic form. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it just, you know, the, the cables became wires and then the yeah. wires became nothing. And that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, the, just all the wires and crap running on your bike is actually kind of a pain in the butt. Right. I don't know how they're going to... Um, I don't know how they're going to sort out the braking situation. I mean, I wonder if wireless electric brakes are on the horizon, and then you just don't you don't have any wires anywhere on a bike. Then motors <laughs> that you put in the tubes and <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, which I'm kind of kidding, but not really. Now that I think about it, I've never seen so many promotions for e-bikes. Oh, the e-bike I mean, thing is huge. Huge. And, Man, I mean, if it gets if it gets people out on bikes, and especially in the commuter world, I mean, people, you know, it's it's a fair bit of work to to ride a bike back and forth, and maybe that's not for everybody, um, but for something like an e-bike where you get a little bit of like supplemental power to just help you get up that hill right before you get home or something, that's I think that's a big deal. And yeah, I saw tons and tons and tons of different e-bikes, different, you know, and. I think I'm still a little conflicted about whether there should be um, motorized bikes on trails, like e-bikes, e you know, doing mountain bike trails or something. I really feel strongly about the fact that if, you know, if, if you want to go downhill, you really should ride your own uphills. And, you know, that's, that's going to, that statement is going to draw the ire of all the enduro and downhill guys. But, but, you know, just for the case of cross-country mountain biking, I really think... Um, it, it should be a non-motorized pursuit in every way. Just like, you know, just obviously like mechanical doping in the pro pelotons. Um, obviously not cool. I don't know, like it's, it's hard to say where it's going to go. I mean, where, where the, the line between being a full-on motorcycle and being a bicycle is, is getting incredibly blurred. My wife was out there, Terry, uh, three years ago with a bike bag company and was going out to the outdoor demo on an e-bike. And she passed a race team, <laughs> and she said the guys were just fighting to get onto her right. wheel. Oh. And you know, she, but it was fun. Oh yeah, I, 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 did we talk about this in a show earlier? I, I was, um, I was coming back from training for cyclocross one time, and I could see a guy up ahead of me, you know, like probably a few hundred meters ahead of me on the bike path, just you know, like a commuter guy on a commuter bike, and he, and he's you know wearing a suit or something. Well, not in Boulder, but he was wearing casual clothes. And he's doing, you know, 23, 24 miles an hour, and I'm chasing him on the bike path, trying to work out why, how this dude can just be sitting bolt upright on his townie bike with his panniers and his, and his briefcase from work doing 23 miles an hour. And I buried myself to try and catch this dude. 
And when I got to him, I, f- I realized that he had a motor on his bike. I was like, oh, man, that's <laughs> bullshit. You're cheating. But, you know, it's, it's out there and it's happening. And like I said, if it, gets, if it gets people on bikes, especially people just using bikes to commute and get around more, I'm all for it. I think maybe if I ever go after the butter record, I'll do it on an e-bike. The butter hour record? Butter hour yeah, record. well, when I did it, I was actually I was creating power to generate the light, not, not yeah. getting supplemental power from some kind of motor. <laughs> it's the other way around entirely. <laughs> I think um, that record's going to fall here probably next week when, when uh, our buddy Chris Case from Velonews goes on to... He's going to do uh, an hour record out there on the velodrome, but he's doing it for reals with a b-side oh no 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 he's doing it for reals he's got a he has just a beautifully prepared bike and i know he's been training for this for a long time and man i you know i know case and i know how he rides and i know what a strong rider is i think he's going to post a pretty damn impressive number i think it's going to be scary good so and i'll be there watching it full show Let's get back to Interbite, mm. just like butter, from Robson Studio here in Boulder, Colorado. Um, you were out there with butter, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, so how does that work? Was Interbike? Did it have value for you? Oh, it's great. Yeah, I mean, well, a you get to run into all the people um, you never see, even people from Boulder. I mean, you just—I I don't hardly see anyone hanging around here, and. Uh, so you just get to catch up with old friends and do stuff. But from a business, business perspective for Butter, we went out there and, you know, met with new distributors and we're, you know, obviously trying to support our brand. And we did, um, you know, did some social media stuff. I, I raced Cross Vegas. Um, obviously, you did? Yeah, I raced Cross Vegas. And that was sort of the, the introduction to our team. Um, so it was, a, you know, a bit of a, it was a bit of a soft launch, I guess you would say. John, John Caravu, um, my teammate was was supposed to race, but his uh, race registration for some reason didn't go through, and um, so it was just just me by myself. But yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think for the industry, you know, for someone like me in the industry, it's pretty good value to go there. Like you go there and you know do your thing and talk to people and meet with people and and obviously try and try to get them you know um, interested and excited about your product. So yeah, it's good. It, it's good. I mean, the reason I ask, it seems like a lot of companies are pulling away from Interbike now and track almost having their own. Oh, well that, yeah, that's an entirely different model. I mean, com- really big companies like Trek and Specialized, their, you know, their, I, I guess their brand message, they would feel gets probably diluted by, by wasting a bunch of money going to Interbike and just being, you know, being shacked up there with a bunch of other no-hopers like us and Butter. Um, I think it probably makes way more sense to them to be um, to just host their own thing and have a captive audience for for days and days and days. Like you know, in the in the case of Trek World, Trek World, you have all your people there. You have all your sponsored riders there. You have you know all the you know, and you basically get to cherry pick who who you get to come to these things. I was going to say you require certain people to come. Yeah, to exactly. Yeah. So you know, for 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 companies that big, they're they're operating on a completely different model. And uh, yeah, that it doesn't really apply to them. I mean, SRAM had a really good presence there, but I think you know a lot of the time it seems like the the you know the bigger companies like SRAM, Shimano, guys like that, they they're just they have a hub, they have a, a booth at Interbike that's just basically set up to receive meetings. So they just have have meetings and appointments the entire time they they're there. The people who work for SRAM and Shimano companies like that, 
and they, they just cycle through tons and tons of meetings and just probably do the same thing that, you know, we're, we're doing with Butter, just meeting with distributors and talking to dealers and showing, you know, like discussing new products and stuff, but it's just on a way bigger scale. Well, and I know some companies have, they go out to Interbike and then get rooms at a motel and exactly make appointments and oh. people who are out there. <laughs> oh, but, boy, I didn't know where that was going to go. <laughs> you don't have to get the, uh, yeah, no, 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 I wasn't bringing Vegas into that. Uh, <laughs> God, that town, every, everything just looks, everything's just been so comprehensively handled and everything just looks worn out and the people look worn out. And even if someone's being nice to you in Vegas, you know, someone who's working there, you can tell it's just such a monumental effort for them. It's, so what about some of the smaller companies walking around the show? Uh, did you see anything that really stood out to you kind of in the back 40 where, you know, they that, put that's the really actually, small companies, uh, but it's the fun place to go? That's the funnest place by far. And I got to spend almost no time just like in the cheap seats. Oh, you didn't? And, and, oh, it, and it was a bummer because we, you know, like we had so much work to do with Butter and I was there working with Ben Delaney and Bike Radar as well. So I, I had my plate full pretty much every day, but I made it back there for, for a few minutes and you see some just hilarious stuff. I saw a, a mountain bike that had, um, it had um, suspension shocks built into the wheels. So it was like a tri-spoke wheel, but the three wheels, the, the three spokes were sort of, you know, at a, at a rakish angle. To the you know it wasn't radial from the hub straight out to the to the rim it was at an angle and all three of these kind of like spokes within the wheel had shocks built into them so the suspension system was was essentially built into a wheel now for and, someone like you who really likes tires and wheels <laughs> what your reaction oh, to that had to be I don't, oh man it looked pretty ridiculous you know, sometimes you, you, you get, you know, I was almost about to say, sometimes you get people trying to reinvent the wheel, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. Um, but you, people are just trying so hard to come up with something new that they don't actually solve any problems. You just know. create new ones? Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, my hobby horse for this one would obviously be that elliptigo thing. Have you seen the elliptigos? I want to do a cross race on one of those things. I think it'd be hilarious. But it's, it's they, they, they tried to um, they tried to imitate the the motion of running where your feet go you know sort of forwards and backs backwards instead of around and around and they built it into this weird looking bike thing. There's an old couple that ride up and down our street. Every, oh, every, there's every quite single a few morning. of them in Bull Well, I don't know. Do, quite do you ever a few, see them going, going up old stage? Yeah, I, absolutely not, or oh, especially dude, down okay. old stage. I, I gotta, maybe <laughs> okay. Okay, this might be the next hour record. Our record nice. on elliptical. Uh, yeah, I see the look on your face. Don't think I'm not looking at. That. That, I've got sunglasses. That on. I'm not might trying be, to be cool. But. That might be our next trick: is do that on an elliptical. Well, there actually was a team of them who finished PBP this year on elliptigos, and oh I had gosh. them on the show. Oh my god! Because I was just blown away just, that they could do that. You just can't go fast on them, though. They're so inefficient. You know, what I was impressed with with those guys is that they were not trying to say, this is the future of sight. It was like, you know, this is what we do. And it was really hard work. <laughs> it was oh, tough. Oh, yeah. No, I can't imagine doing that on the track. But I'll give it a go. That sounds pretty funny. But, yeah, the, the, the elliptigo stuff's pretty funny. There's always, um, you know, back, back in the cheap seats at Interbike, there's always the, there's a, a bunch of little Asian companies back there yep. who, um, you know, they're, they're, they're selling, you know, custom. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Manufacturing, or they make stuff and sell it over, and, and the... the the copy that they always have written, like, you know, if you get a flyer from them or if the copy they have written on their booth is always, you know, it's, it's obviously just been run through Google Translate and uh, it makes no sense at all. I love it. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't get to see enough of the of the fun, cool stuff that, you know, like the, that's way back in the back corner because there's some real gems back there. There's people doing some... Seriously, There's some stuff in there shit. that really makes sense. Oh, absolutely! But you need hours to 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 just walk up and down those aisles and and basically look at every single thing and sift through mountains of of you know what's essentially rubbish to well, to exactly. find to find those little diamonds in the rough and to find those good ideas. But they're there. How does that work for those companies? Because they're out at Interbike. Do they really have a hope of making a go of? Yeah. Oh, no, I absolutely think they do. I mean, you know, there's, I I think. But I mean, like you said, rubbish. I mean, that's kind of my experience with that area, which is why I love it so much, because you're just seeing companies where you're like, really? (laughs) Yeah, but it becomes a matter of opinion, too. I mean, you send, you send, you know, you get 30 of your friends and send them, send them around, you know, into the back 40 of Interbike, into the cheap seats and tell them to come back and, and say what their favorite thing is, you'll get 30 different answers. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it, it totally is a matter of opinion. And I think, um, you know, for a lot of those people, they're, you know, they come and show their wares and you, you just need a couple of people to get interested in it or a distributor to say, hey, this is really, really cool. We'd like to, we'd like to push this and you're off and running. So it is worth the investment for someone to go out there. I guess, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, looking forward with butter, I mean, I'd like to think we could get to the point where we would have our own booth and obviously make appointments with people and have them come by and show people what we do. I mean, you know, one of the hardest things with butter is um, is people people don't don't instantly know what they're looking at when they look at our at the butter tools. And the butter tools are beautiful and they work really really well. And as soon as you show them to someone, they get it instantly. So one thing we've been doing re- recently is doing just bike maintenance and cleaning clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did one at the J Power Camp out at the Oscar Blues race and and. Um, you get your bikes up on the stand. Obviously, the wheels come off it, and the the, the butter tools are, are getting used. The butter B one or B two goes in the in the back of the bike to hold the chain up. And you show people how to how to clean their bikes and how to maintain their bikes and how the tools are incorporated into that system. And the light bulb goes on instantly. We we sold um, we sold stuff to probably fifty percent of the people at the camp just after doing that little clinic thing. So if people if people can see what it is and see what it does. Um, I think that goes a really, really long way. And, you know, anybody going to Interbike has the opportunity to obviously talk to other people and say, okay, here's our product and here's what it does. And then, you know, if you're interested in it, here's, you know, here's what it costs and here's what it retails for. So I think it's, you know, and obviously personal contact is, is um, personal relationships and contact is a big, is a big factor in all of this stuff. So, yeah, I think it'd be worth going to Interbike. 
do you think people actually write a lot of business when they're out there? And combined with that, Interbike, I know, recently opened it up to consumers. Yeah, the, yeah, you have the you have the free for all day. Which I thought was kind Friday. of a mistake. <sighs> and I've heard that from some of the manufacturers because people are coming by looking for deals or well, that's the thing. You, you, you have people whatever. coming in wasting your time, like you know. Um, it, it, if, if I was standing in a booth and somebody came up to me and, you know, wanted a sponsorship, you know, like I'm there doing my business, trying to sell my stuff to somebody else. Right. You know, the, the, the worst thing you can do to me is come up and try and be flogging your shit to me. And like, um, I, I think that would be, I, I don't think, yeah, I'm not sure that's a very good idea. I kind of got stuck on that thought a little bit there, but um, I, I can see it being a bit of a waste of time for the manufacturers. But the, the, I think where it came from was the demand. People wanted, to, people wanted to be allowed into Interbike to see the new stuff. And the other problem with that is as soon as you have just your average schmo off the street, um, you know, that sounded kind of snotty and elitist, but you know, just go with it. Um, you know, you have, have your average dude in the street walking through booths and seeing all this new stuff and then saying, oh, you know, can I buy that right here or when can I get one or does my local bike shop have it? And in the industry, typically, you know, it's, even when they're showing stuff in Interbike, it's not, a lot of it's not ready for prime time. They're like, okay, well, you know, we're, just, we're going into production now and we're working out, the, working out the final details of the product and it'll be available next spring. And if you tell, you know, tell that to people who are within the industry, that's completely normal. Tell that to, to your average Joe who walked in off the street in Las Vegas and he may not get it. He may not understand that principle. So, yeah, hmm. Maybe it's not the best idea. <laughs> I didn't go. I didn't go on Friday, so apparently it was kind of dead. Someone told me it was quiet there on Friday. Friday usually is pretty quiet. But then I mean, when, when they opened it up to the public, I thought it'd just be a. I don't know, maybe maybe your average Joe, you know, won't fly to Las Vegas just to go walk around and dinner bike. And doesn't it cost? Oh, I'm sure. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, everything costs. <laughs> but no. I... <coughs> Anything else that you saw from the big manufacturers that you thought was either an improvement on an existing product or, uh, you know, really kind of interesting? Yeah, I saw a really, really interesting thing. And this is something that I've been bellyaching about for a decade. I've been screwing around with tubeless tires and tubeless systems for ages. And, you know, they work really, really well in some places and they really don't work well at all in some applications. And... Um, when we were over at Vittoria this year, they, uh, well, last week, obviously, um, they have, they basically have a tubeless tire, and they started with road tires, but I know they're going to do cross tires, and that's where it's going to get good. They started with a tubeless road tire that's, that's basically, or it is, Vittoria's 320 TPI super soft racing casing. So it's a, it's a beautiful, super high-end, race casing and tubeless. That, that it's a tubeless tire and they said they, they sent they sent a whole bunch of stuff including this new tubeless stuff um to that joint in finland that does all the resistance testing on tires i can't remember the name of the place it's fascinating though i'd love to go there um and it was the fastest tire that that company had ever tested across the board so it was a tubeless a tubeless tire with a 320 tpi cotton casing um, so if you think about that, that actually makes a lot of sense because even when you have a tubular, like in the case of a really nice tubular, like a Degaster, an FMB or a Vittoria with beautiful casings, there's still a tube in there. There's still a tube inside the casing 
and that actually, you know, that provides def deflection resistance, which obviously soaks up energy when you're trying to ride. So if you remove, if you have a really beautiful cotton casing and you remove the element of the tube being in there, I mean, that's going to start to look good pretty quickly. It's going to start to work well. Um, and I, I'm not surprised that it ended up being a really, really fast tire. So that was really, really cool. So people are looking at tubeless and saying, okay, well, the existing casings are just kind of really stiff and they're not that fun to ride. Like the existing cross tires, even the really, even the ones that are a lot better, I've actually got a set of IRC Ceracs over there that I can see from where I'm sitting. Um, those casings have gotten better and better and better, but they're still, the quality just still isn't at the level of a high-end racing tubular. And that's what they're trying to, com you know, that's what they're trying to compete against. So for tubeless, if they can get the weight of the wheels down and then have really, really beautiful high-performance tires like that, that that gets tubeless a lot closer to the performance level of tubeless. Cyclocross season coming up. What did you see in cyclocross bikes that stood out to you? Um, well, obviously, disc brakes have, have uh, you know, disc brakes are all but ubiquitous in the American uh, peloton, especially in the pros. Um, the Euros are still, they're kind of dragging the anchor on picking it up. Really? And, yeah, and I know it's weight. They're just, they're, they're just complaining about weight. And it's true, it weighs a little bit more. Um, oh, God, what else? Um, through, through axle is, is gaining a little bit of ground on cross bikes, obviously, with the, with the disc brakes coming in. Um, the disc brakes are gaining more, more popularity. And then the call is to just try and stiffen up those bikes a little bit more. Um, through axle has gained quite a little bit of momentum not much on the sort of you know like my favorite thing obviously is is wheels and tires not a whole lot of development on that um my team is actually riding the brand new um cerium carbon uh tubular wheels on our cross bikes and they're, they're disc brake ready um and they're pretty good they're really really nice wheels they're um they're super light and they have uh, good Mavic hubs. Mavic um, have revamped their freewheel body. Yet again, it's more like a, it's their own design, but it's more like um, a, the, a DT, the DT Star mm -hmm. Ratchet um, system. And it works really, really well. And that, you know, that, that was actually a bit of an Achilles heel for Mavic for a while. Their freewheels just, they seem to have trouble, mate, you know, getting them to be consistent and not failing. And so I think, you know, with, um, Mavic's always been really, really good at bearings and really good at um, having bearings hold up to contamination and, and doing half-decent hubs. They fixed the ratchet thing and then they built a, built a tubular disc brake wheel set that's just over 1,300 grams for racing and they're, they're well and truly in the game. That's a good wheel set. So yeah, not a whole lot of other stuff out there in the way of wheels. I would like to see... Um, more treads and tread patterns developing. One thing I do know that's coming that they, they started to talk about in a bike is um, the Clement, all, all of the Clement range is going to end up being tubeless. So oh, it is? Yes. So they're, that's, um, they're some of my favorite tread patterns. They're just really beautiful, purpose-built, purpose-designed um, tread patterns, and they are all going to go tubeless. So, you know, as tubeless gets a little bit better for cross, um, you know, I, I think it'll become more attractive to riders because not everyone wants to glue up tubulars. I mean, that's a, it's a big pain in the ass to glue tubulars. It's hard work and it's, you know, it's stinky and it's really, really time consuming. And for cross, you have 
many many sets of wheels and just instead of just one or two sets of wheels so it's you know it's a it's a commitment it's a sacrifice so as tubeless gets better i think you know it'll just gain sort of more traction in general and people will be more interested in it so not liking vegas interbike is exhausting for you but i also detect some enthusiasm oh oh yeah no (laughs) don't get me wrong at all i mean you know i'm i'm like I'm bike rider to the core, man. To go to go there and, you know, like I said, you go around and look at all the stuff and you talk to people. Like I spent half an hour talking to Ken Avery at Vittoria and he is arguably a bigger tire nerd than I am. And he has the platform for it because he actually works and designs at Vittoria. And, I mean, yeah, we just, we just went off on a tear <clears throat> talking about all the different stuff. And, um, no, I love being there and, I, you know, I love catching up with people I haven't seen for years and um, it's just great. I mean, I just don't love Vegas. And, you know, the argument is, well, move it. There's no way you can move it to. There's no way that can support a trade show that's that big and, you know, with hotels and everything. I, I think that there was an argument to move it to Denver at one point. Mm-hmm. And all of the hotels and all of that, you know, all of the infrastructure would have been so decentralized that it would right. have been practically impossible to pull off. You'd have people staying in hotels, you know, on heading out here towards Boulder. And I just think it would be, it, the logistics of it would be just too hard to move people around. Oh, you have NABs switching locations every year. Yeah, and but it's way smaller. Way smaller, yep. Yeah, I just, I, sadly, I don't see how they could put Interbike anywhere else. But, yeah, Vegas, holy shit. I started going back in the early 90s when it was in Anaheim. Oh, yeah. I remember they had a Disney day. You just <laughs> go to Disney for the day? Oh, it was promoted by Interbike. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I sadly miss the Anaheim days, you know, and that's actually, you know, that, that's been argued too, bring it back to Anaheim. But, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't think Anaheim would be any better than Vegas at this point. Yeah, and kind of, cheap kind of, plane tickets. Kind and... of a shithole. Yeah, God, the cheap plane ticket thing is such a farce. We bought cheap... Although they're cheap plane tickets to San Diego and the way pricing is now, you got to pay to breathe on an airplane oh yeah well that's the thing they get you like we you know we bought our plane tickets to vegas and they were just ridiculously cheap and then you start looking through the fine print and you realize that you you know you're basically all you can do is walk onto the plane for the ticket that you bought you don't get anything else you don't get to send any bags you don't even get to have a carry-on you don't get to have um you know you have the carry-on on a personal item you got to pay for the personal item and then you got to pay for your check bags and the closer you get to the gate on the day you fly the more it costs so you're it makes more sense just to add on all the stuff here you know add all the stuff while you're sitting at your computer and booking the ticket right and then and then um oh, you know one bag carry-on costs what it used to be to ship a bike right and and so once you go through all the stuff and, and add in all the crap you're paying as much as as you were going to anyway right so yeah flying used to be really really fun and uh it's really really not fun now so they kind of killed it. But anyway, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> What's uh, coming up next for you? Cross season? Yeah, we're just... We're, got, when's the team uh, getting together? What's your first event? We're getting into the racing here pretty soon. I think the, um, I mean, the I boys... I kicked it off at Cross yeah. Vegas. But. Well, um, I'd like to get everybody together. Yeah. Um, it's pretty hard because they're all up in Steamboat. The boys, uh, we're, we're trying to put together a race weekend where the Steamboat boys come down and um, we'll hopefully we'll have a little bit of a launch party over at Vecchio's. Um, have some fun and start start sort of doing our thing um, and just get just get settled into the season and see how we go. All right. Look forward to our next one. 
Just Like Butter here at Robson Studio, Boulder, Colorado. Always a pleasure, Michael. Till next time, see ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.